Aloha, my name is Andrea, and I'm the host for State of Aloha, a podcast that dives deep into Hawaiian history and culture through expert interviews and personal anecdotes to explore Hawaii beyond what is shown in mainstream media. If you are Hawaiian, love Hawaii, or just enjoy learning about history and culture, join me on this adventure of discovery. For this episode, I spoke to an associate professor for the University of Hawaii at Hilo about the Hawaiian language, Olalo Hawaii. For updates on the podcast, or if you want to engage in discussion on any topics that you've heard on this episode or previous and future episodes, you can follow us on Instagram at state underscore of underscore aloha dot podcast or on Twitter at state of aloha pod. And you can also find our Facebook page at state of aloha podcast. We are also currently building out a website state of aloha podcast.com where you can find even more resources and show notes. We humbly ask for your patience as we continue to build these resources out for you. To be quite honest, I I feel a little out of my depth. You know, I have my copy of the Kumulipo and I'm reading it and I'm just like, I, you know, I'm I'm going through the different was and I'm like, okay, wait, what did I just read? Yeah. And, 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 and I'm glad you actually see that because especially for our oldest chants and oldest chants, many of them are Meleko'i Honua, these type of genealogical type of chants that the language that's used in these type of chants are much more archaic than, than the chants that were written in the 19th century. So it does, it, it does take a uh, language understanding and then delving and perhaps even research to really understand some of this. And with the, with, with the disclaimer too, that being language learners of this day and age, that there are certain elements of these very old chants that we may never understand. In this episode with Keikoa Harmon, an associate professor at the University of Hawaii at Hilo and hula dancer, we talk about his journey with Olelo Hawaii, the pronunciation of Hawaiian words that you may have heard before. Make sure you stick around until the end of the episode. That's when Keikoa gets into how he integrates Olelo Hawaii into every part of his life and graces us with a portion of a chant. According to a 2016 census report on languages spoken at home other than English, Hawaiian or Olalo Hawaii does not even rank in the top three, and it barely beats out Chinese in the number five spot by about a thousand speakers. According to the 2016 detailed languages spoken at home in the state of Hawaii statistical report, the top two languages spoken at home in Hawaii are Tagalog and Ilocano, both languages that originated from the Philippines. Ranking in third is Japanese. Ranking in fourth is Spanish. Then finally in fifth place is Hawaiian, which is spoken at less than 6% of homes. Keiko and his family is a part of that small percentage. Not only do both he and his wife speak Olelo Hawaii in their respective jobs as teachers, but they have also passed the language on down to their children, a rarity in this day and age. Yeah, it's it's kind of I think as we all we all can probably relate to this to a certain extent that when you're so um, engrossed in the work you're doing at you know in, in the school in college and also her being at Kekulo Navahio Colonial Pu'u and then with our speaking Hawaiian as the primary language of our home sometimes you know you get wrapped up in in your own bubble <laughs> your own bubble and you know we don't we don't really think about it very often as, as to the um, rarity of that. 
The decrease in Native Hawaiian speakers speaking their language at home can be attributed to not only the historical banning of the language, but also to the elevation of English in its place. Depending when um, our family members were born, but when we look at families in general, if you did have a kupuna that was born in the latter part of the 19th century or the beginning of the 20th century, they were probably still able to speak Hawaiian. I want to take a pause and call out a common Hawaiian word that Keikoa just used, the word kapuna. Simply translated, kapuna means elder. But often, we are not just referring to people who are older than you, but people who have generational wisdom. Now let's get back to Keikoa's breakdown of the knowledge gaps between the generations. And then you look at the generation after that, even more so, there isn't that continuance of language that pa that's passed on because of the emphasis on English instruction in our schools. And then also, with, you know, and it just makes sense to, as far as the economic viability of, of being totally fluent in English, I think a lot of emphasis was placed on, hey, if you're going to get a good job, we're not going to speak Hawaiian anymore. As a result of the decrease in passing down of the language, street names and place names were often mispronounced. The pronunciation wasn't something that we paid a lot of attention to um but if you if you don't know any better you're just gonna you're just gonna say it the way you heard it so um you know certain words being from maui that i would would hear highly miley highly miley which um i learned later on you know in understanding the meaning and some people might have actually heard this within their homes when the tutus you know you know the hali'i the the um blanket but that that actual kahali'i um, ana to to lay the blanket, yeah, and to have a blanket of maile hali'i maile. Oh, understanding the meaning of that at later age, it made sense how important it is to to pronounce that word correctly, so that we know of the the beauty of that name and how that connects to a particular place and and why the, the that place was named that. And this is something that hasn't gone away. On the big island of Hawaii, street names are still mispronounced, even by locals. And even on this island, when we talk about um, certain street names or you know, people say, um, hi, 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 although the name is actually ha'i ha'i, yeah? Ha'i ha'i, meaning to um, break, yeah? Um, similar to haki haki, ha'i ha'i. And then we have, you know, keo kaha, keo kaha, keo kaha, um, that area in Hilo. But it doesn't stop at street names and place names. There are also commonly known Hawaiian words that are often mispronounced. And then also, um, you know, simple words such as lei, lei. It's not lei, lei, kalei, lei. Let's talk about a garland, garland of flowers or a wreath or even poke, kapoke. And I know poke, poke is famous all across America now, yeah? Keikoa's interest in the Hawaiian language began at a young age from activities he deemed as fun, such as Concert Glee, at his time at Kamehameha School. As a part of Concert Glee, Keikoa had the opportunity to take part in the annual song competition, where students learned and performed Hawaiian mele, or Hawaiian choral music written in the Hawaiian language. Additionally, students could also participate in the hula performance, or ho'ike portion of the song competition singing, singing in concert glee and singing Hawaiian choral arrangements and then also to dance mele. So that aspect, it, it's, it's you know, I, I think human beings in general, that, that aspect of something being being fun and being um, joyous, it, it's, it's 
something that lures you in. Like Keikoa, I was introduced to the Hawaiian language through Hawaiian mele and through dancing hula. Keikoa spoke about how his love for hula originated from spending time with his grandmother. My, my grandma used to take me to the luau show with her. She used to sell leifua milia, Maria lays there. And I would just, <laughs> I loved going with her. I loved going with her to the luau show and it gave me an opportunity to see, hey, a lot of my cousins actually would, would dance in the luau show on Maui and Kihei. I really enjoyed that. So grandma would always take me to, to go and see um, outside of the luau show to, to see other types of Hawaiian music events too that she would attend. Though Keikoa's exposure to the Hawaiian language started at an early age, he did not pursue learning the language academically until much later in life. In fact, when he went off to college in the mainland, or what Hawaiians call the continental U.S. He originally attended the University of Puget Sound in the state of Washington, but then eventually made his way back to the Hawaiian Islands. But I think during that period of time, which was a necessary part of this journey, is that I, I truly understood that I needed to go back home. So I was there for a year. And then during that summer, I decided to come back home, living with my parents again, and then attending Maui Community College at the time. I think one of the most profound aspects of that period of time was that I was able to um, join a halau. In ancient Hawaiian, the word halau was used to refer to the longhouses where canoe and hula instruction took place. In modern usage, the word is used to describe a traditional Hawaiian hula school or studio. Halau makani vini makahaua which is a... Uh, um, Halau directed by um, Kumu Kili Rachel and Kumu Luvehi Guerrero. This halau is not only famous for its award-winning hula performances, but also because one of the Kumu, Kelii Rachel, is a world-famous Hawaiian artist and musician. In fact, it's not uncommon for halau hula to be founded by well-known Hawaiian artists and musicians. You may also recall the word Kumu, to which we referred to in the first episode, can be translated as the word source in English. However, its usage goes beyond that definition. It is also the word used for teacher. We'll get into multiple meaning for Hawaiian words a little later in the episode, so stick around. So from that, I went on to Uichilo and, and the, with the support and encouragement of both my um, Kumuhula and also with the support from my um, Maui Community College, Kumu and Kumu Kiope Raymond, Kumu Malia Melemai, Kumu Napua, that I went to Hilo. And from there, I, I really could delve into um, to language. Although Keikoa did well at Maui Community College, he elected to retake the Hawaiian language second year course to reinforce his fundamental skills. He did so well in the course that the university hired him. I was so happy that I could get a job at um, Ahapunanaleo and be a, a part-time employee at the Lamaku Scholarship Program, which um, oh, I, I'm so thankful for because I was able to actually continue my Hawaiian language learning and also use the language within an office setting four to five hours a day, which was just an outstanding reinforcement of whatever I was learning in the classroom for language. And that continued. I was able to continue working with Ahapunaleo all the way until I graduated with my BA. Keikoa went on not only to earn his undergraduate degree, but also earned his graduate degree and most recently a doctorate. And then also went into the master's program of Hawaiian language and literature at Uichilo. So got my BA in Hawaiian studies and then Hawaiian language and literature. And <laughs> my wife and I who also um, speaks Hawaiian. She was, she was in college during that period of time, 
also attended Uichilo Kahakaula Okeli Colony, the College of Hawaiian Language here. And she um, went into the teacher certification program and Kahua Viola. And then we started our family here in Hilo back in 2001 with the birth of our, our firstborn. And it just kind of continued from there. And our family um, continued to grow. And we went, we both went into our graduate programs at Kahakaula Okeli Colony. And then in 2020, I graduated with my, my doctorate in Indigenous Language and Cultural Realization from Kahakaula Okeli. So this has been a, a journey, not only my own journey, this has been a journey of our ohana, our family. And um, of course, as, as journeys go, this isn't something that I could have done on my own, that there have been a lot of resources, my kumu. I'm so thankful for, for all the kumu that have taught me Hawaiian. And when I when I bring up my kumu at Yuichilo to um, kumu Larry Kimura, kumu Kalana Silva, kumu Pila Wilson, kumu... Um, and then Anakina um, Maka Rollins, people who have impacted my life, um, all people who have, um, who have been um, teachers for me and who I continue to learn from even till today. But it's, it's, it's a journey and it's not done yet. I think just like um, anything else, when you, when you learn something, you're constantly seeking ways to learn more. And then when you learn, you see how much you don't know. And I know exactly what he's talking about. I've had the opportunity to dance hula for many years, for over a decade, and have been blessed by the wisdom of many kumu. But there is still so much I do not know. And Keikoa's dissertation definitely piqued my interest. You know, you talked about in your dissertation, you know, where the hand movements come from. Um, and I would love to talk a little bit about, you know, about how hula and especially the hand movements, how they relate to olelo. Oh, Andrea, well, this is this is one of my most favorite topics because of um, because of um, my background in learning hula and, and especially the language part and I and I think you you read about some of this in my introduction in analyzing this hula of Joseph Ilala Ole. Quick disclaimer, I only read a small portion of the dissertation. And that's only because most of it was in Olalo Hawaii. Only the introduction, which included a summary, was in English. It became clear how much I was truly missing. About some of this in my introduction in analyzing this hula of Joseph Ilala Ole was a native speaker from Puna, born in the um, 19th century, the latter part of the 19th century. But how hula is choreographed in looking at the text that native speakers would not look at every word and try and create emotion for each word. How the choreographer would look at, especially with having a native speaker background in language, to know specifically for that line, what word would be the most suitable word to emphasize through emotion or through a movement is, um, that was that was the bulk of my um, my analysis and research to try and see patterns in that because one thing that we know in um, looking at traditional hula is that you want to maintain a certain amount of here here or you know dignified presence and a how do I put this maybe a um, in the body showing these the meaning of something that it's not hula pantomime there's a certain elegance to it to focus on a particular emotion and then to convey a meaning through through the look of the dancer and how that particular motion is carried out is especially important in conveying the meaning. For those who have had the opportunity to watch a hula performance, whether that was at a luau, 
a hula competition, or elsewhere. You may not realize this, but hula is more than just a dance form. It's a form of storytelling. So the words in the story are just as important, if not more important, than the movements themselves. And I, and I was so passionate about this research because of the, the importance of language in hula. For all of us to understand that if, if there, is no, there is no hula without ulalo Hawaii, without language. So really, we have quite a responsibility for us to, to make sure we have a good understanding and, and, and continue to work at it as far as the understanding of mele and, and language, language in particular, and how it's used in mele in order to create. Because without that understanding of the language, you really are missing something as far as the motion itself but everything else that goes with it, whether it be uh, uh, just something very subtle on on your um, in your facial expression, or the way you you do the flower movement, the pua, to convey its fragrance, very subtle, but it shows that you you have a deep understanding of what that means. Yeah, so that's my that's my um language and 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 hula um soapbox. <laughs> That's just the mini version. Get the uh, full version in Keiko's dissertation. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can check that out. It's, it's, it's online. As I mentioned earlier, most of my exposure to the Hawaiian language came from mele or hula. But I was also constantly surrounded by kapuna and overheard many topics of conversation surrounding olelo Hawaii. One particular conversation sticks out in my mind. I remember there being a discussion about whether to use a K or a T sound. For instance, in the word kapa or tapa, the word for clothing. In this conversation, one party was arguing that the T sound was the more correct way to say it, while the other argued that the K sound was most correct. I asked Keikoa for his opinion on this topic. Yeah, and then I I want to just paint some some broad brushstrokes on this one because we can get into some uh, you know some very specific terms. But as far as um, Palawa High and and dialects and and the standardization of Hawaiian that we have, uh, you know, our native speakers that come from Niihau and then also Kekaha Kauai, where uh, there are still quite a community of native speakers that come from the Ihau, they use T quite a bit in their speaking. And um, that's something that goes hand in hand with, with their place and where they come from. But we do see dialectal differences and differences in, in certain words throughout Hawaii Pai Aina, throughout the Hawaiian Islands. But um, we are very much aware of these differences. I'm going to bring up an example to you for, for the word differences. Um, you know, in um, East Maui, the Hana area, they talk about the, um, I've heard some people call it fiddle fern, but it grows in the forest and, and it's edible and we make salad. The Japanese call it warabi but they call it pohole. And then on this island, on the east side of Hawaii, um, we call it ho'i'o, ho'i'o. But those are two very different words that are used for, for that particular um, plant. We have different words too, even for, for papaya, we have mikana and he'i. But um, it's, it's important to hold on. So 
Getting back to your, your question about pronunciation, I think that comes down to, you know, these differences, these regional differences that we have from one island to the next, from one district to the next, that we should, we should hold on to as much as we possibly can. Because Hawaiian history and the Hawaiian language was passed down orally, it's very easy to understand how these types of things can get confused. But with the arrival of the missionaries, so came the written word and the need to standardize the Hawaiian language. Well, just like any language, when we when we standardize the writing of, and we, we see that in the, uh, the time from the missionaries, since the missionaries arrived in Hawaii in 1820, and their efforts to, to standardize all the way up till the, the 20th century. In the modern standardized Hawaiian alphabet, there are 13 letters. A, E, H, I, K, L, M, N, O, P, U, W. The okina, or glottal stop, is also counted as a consonant. This, this is kind of funny, but I also tell my students to, to know how, it, how your mouth feels. And you can also, you know, compared to English, it's a, it's a lot more, uh, how do I say this? Um, your mouth needs to be you know, more tight as, as, it, as you pronounce these, the glottal stop and the okina and that you need to be conscious of that, v, how that feels on your mouth. Yeah, that v, v, that you, you feel your teeth against that, that bottom lip too. Yeah, Hawaii, Hawaii. Additionally, to help clarify pronunciation, there is also something called a kahako, otherwise known as a macron, to mark long vowel sounds. Although some see the standardization of the Hawaiian language or olalo Hawaii to be more restricting, the written word also brought advancements in technology and literacy. This, this topic too is, is such a interesting topic in that it really goes to show how Akamai, Eleu, Na'uau, enlightened um, Hawaiians were and Hawaiians are as far as as taking on a, a new technology and, and being able to learn so quickly. You know, that's something that we take pride in too. And when you hear people say, oh, he kiki a apo oya, that he is, he is a child that, that picks up quick. But for the, for the written word and, you know, missionaries had their own uh, <laughs> agenda as far as you know, having uh, Hawaiians understand the Bible. But it was, it was one of those technologies that was introdu introduced to Hawaiians and it just spread like rapid fire to make Hawaiians the, um, one of the most literate societies in the world during that period of time. So with the missionaries coming in 1820 and we look at the period of time from 1820 to 1830, how literate um, the If you're still with us, congratulations! You're about halfway through the episode. Coming up, Keikoa is going to give us some choice tips about learning the Hawaiian language, and we'll dive into some common Hawaiian phrases you may have heard, including a phrase I used in the first episode, Aloha Aina. And just another reminder that the good stuff is at the very end. You really don't want to miss Keikoa chanting. And with that, let's get back into it. <laughs> That's the thing that I that I realized too that, well, you know, learning a language, it, it takes quite a bit of humility, um, because if you do say something wrong and to have someone help you and correct you, <laughs> and not to continue any further, you know, mispronouncing a word and, you know, just butchering things that and and you know saying something that has a totally different meaning that that you know people will correct you. 
So, yeah. And, and say, oh, yeah. And realizing when you're corrected that, okay, I'll change, you'll change it. Yeah, you'll change it and fix it and, and say it correctly. Yeah, that takes a certain amount of humility. I have to confess, the comment you just heard was born out of a misunderstanding during our conversation. Keikoa was talking about the Hawaiian word lolo and its relation to telling time by the position of the sun over your head. The word lolo means your head or brain. I heard this word and mistook it for another Hawaiian word, lolo, directly translates to paralyzed, numb, or feeble-minded. In modern Hawaiian usage, lolo is slang for dumb or stupid. Oftentimes, I've heard a lolo head or, you know, stupid head if I'm doing something especially foolish or unwise. This is a great reminder to be very mindful of the kaha ko or makron in the Hawaiian language. With such a limited alphabet, pronunciation really does make a difference. It's really important, and I think that's where, where language comes into play and how we can be the best scholars we can possibly be in truly understanding the language. And then also seeking out those who do have an understanding to not really take it into our own hands and think, oh, uh, I got this, I have a Hawaiian dictionary, I'll, I'll figure it out, I know it. Sometimes with all of these resources available, it's a, it's a good thing, but I noticed too, you know, sometimes you look at certain things and you go, yeah, somebody got a hold of a dictionary and they just put all of these things together and, and it, that's how that came about. And you commend people for their effort, but to also understand, and I think this is for any type of skill, yeah, to recognize who the resources are, who are the people who are experts in a particular field and to seek them out and, and to, to know what they've documented so that you know, rather than just kind of diving in there and, oh yeah, yeah, I, I can do it. Yeah. I want to take another pause here and remind you that if you haven't listened to episode one, you still have a chance. We talk about this phrase in the first episode as well. Again, this phrase translates to seek the source. And the word for source, kumu, also means teacher. Yeah, nanaike kumu, that's one of the, the books that we actually have, which is a good resource. But to look to the source and to always think about that. Where, where does this information come from? And how do I familiarize myself with it so that I, I, I know what it's talking about? During our conversation, Keikoa referenced several different resources for learning the Hawaiian language. One of them is Duolingo, though granted, I tried that out, and to be quite honest, it's less helpful than you think because it takes phrases out of context. Another resource that Keikoa mentioned was a Hawaiian dictionary. There are several types of dictionaries out there, but my go-to is a new pocket Hawaiian dictionary by Auntie Mary Kavena Pukui and Samuel H. Elbert. This dictionary also includes some information about grammar and given names in Hawaiian. Earlier I mentioned we would discuss the importance of using words with multiple meanings. Keikoa breaks down probably the most common Hawaiian word, aloha. It's really important and that's that's where language comes into play because you can have one word but one word can have so many meanings and not until you actually contextualize these words do you truly understand the nuances of, of meaning in these different contexts. So for example, aloha, you know, it's, and I've, I've heard people say to you, you can say hello and goodbye. And even that isn't enough because it's so much more than that. So when, you know, we use it for greeting and it can be a way of 
how we care for one another, to have aloha for one another. When we say aloha kekahi kekai, to love one another. I, I've appreciated in, in my learning of the language that I've had teachers explain to me, you know, when, when you're getting scoldings from your uh, makua, from your parent or from your teacher, that's aloha. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a, a tough one for people that like, how can that be aloha? But that's aloha. That type of caring for you, not in a, in a warm and fuzzy kind of way, but that, that because I aloha you, I am going to correct you. But that's, that's contextual. That's, that's important for you to live with the language and to see how it's used for you to understand that. Kekoa goes even deeper and goes on to explain the word aloha aina. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you would have heard this phrase or word in my first episode when I talked about sustainability. I just brought this up today. We, we had Earth Day, La Honua at Yoichilo, and we did our um, opening ceremony for that. And I brought up the word aloha aina. And within this period of time when, you know, we have activism and we have people uh, protesting certain things, to simply equate aloha aina to love for the land. There's so much more to it than that. What what type of actions do you do in order to show this aloha that you have for the land? There's actually an old Hawaiian language newspaper named Kealoha Aina. But everything that you would do in order to care for the land and that all of it would fit under this umbrella of Kealoha Aina until your last breath that you would you would do everything to care for Hawaii. Okay, folks, here's another common one. If you're a sushi lover or generally just like seafood, you've probably heard this word before. An important part, though, that, that pronunciation that, that you brought up, even for poke, because we, poke means to chunk something. So even when we um, clean opihi. Opihi is a type of limpet that can be found in the islands of Hawaii clean opihi, that we poke the opihi, to have that, that opihi, you know, that's cleaned from the shell. But, you know, not until I, I really understood the Hawaiian language did I know that, that the poke isn't just for the chunks of fish that we buy from the grocery store, that it's any type of fish that, that's cut in that way to make a chunk. Poke. We're about halfway through the episode and I couldn't go on without letting everyone know you're never gonna get poke like you get poke in Hawaii. So better go get them. And we all gotta say that we're very thankful for Disney for using Ohana in Lilo and Stitch. And you know, and it was put out there to the world, you know, Ohana means no one gets left behind. And before all you Disney heads and Lilo and Stitch super fans freak out, the full quote from the movie is Ohana means family, and family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. It's understanding what ohana means really requires you to, to live with a certain perspective to know how what your function or role is within that, that ohana, within that family. So um, we have a particular that we help others and we are helped. And that is the, the lifestyle of the family. That's just one of the in regards to, to ohana, to family. But that type of reminder that that's what a relationship is like in a family, that you need to help your family members and they will help you. And that, that that's really how we will survive together. Another great resource by Auntie Mary Kavena Pukui is a book called Olalo no Eau, a book of Hawaiian proverbs and poetical sayings. This next word, 
I've actually heard non-Hawaiians use quite often, and that word is pono, which is translated in my Hawaiian dictionary as goodness, morality, moral qualities, correct or proper procedure, excellence, well-being, prosperity, welfare, duty, moral, fitting, proper, right, just, fair, successful, should, ought, must, necessary. I know, it's a doozy. But just like we learned with the word aloha, a Hawaiian word can have multiple meanings. We have this um, state motto, yeah? that the life of the land is perpetuated in righteousness. We hear the word um, pono thrown a- around a lot by people. But what is pono? <laughs> that is, I think, for, for us individually and as for, for people and for people living in Hawaii and anywhere, anywhere, I, I, it's probably a, a good lesson. What is it to be to be righteous? And how does that give us a, a quality of life and um, sovereignty and a lifestyle when we choose to, to do things that are right? And, and that, to me, I mean, looking at old Hawaiian language newspapers for a particular story that was written by, um, documented by Poi Poi in the Hawaiian language newspaper, we saw the, the use of this word pono a lot in the story of the I and always thinking about it when he would meet with his um, kahuna, his advisor, how he would decide upon whether a, a particular act or going to war was was pono or not, and to really uh, nune nune or ponder upon this for long periods of time, it isn't something that you can just throw around. But how do you understand that within your own life, in your family, in your community, in government, in all of this? What does pono mean? What does righteousness mean? How do we live right in order to help everything prosper, all of Hawaii to prosper? It is a good thing to nune nune or to ponder upon and, and see how it does fit in our lifestyle and, and, and how we consciously think about that on a daily basis. How are we pono? We've already gone over the importance of the kahako, but another misused or forgotten part of the Hawaiian language, alalo Hawaii, is the okina or the guttural stop. Kekoa goes into the importance of this letter in the Hawaiian alphabet and its usage in the Hawaiian language. Yeah, that's, um, I'm glad you bring that up because it just the name of Hawaii and to be conscious of that. And especially for second language learners who, who did not grow up speaking Hawaiian to visually see the okina, the glado stop, and the kahako, the um, diphthong, is very helpful. And I'll attest to that, that, you know, learning the language, it, it it's helpful to see it, to be conscious of it. So when you see Hawaii, you can even touch your, your throat area. <laughs> I always tell my students, if they forget to write the okina, then I make a little coughing sound <laughs> to make sure, hey, put that put that okina, put that glado stop in there um, for Hawaii, Hawaii, and feel that, what that feels like and what that sounds like. Um, but it's common and it, it's, it's, uh, um, it's one of those things, you know, it's just little things like that, especially in our interaction with Malihini people who come here and even with our own poe, with our, with our people here in Hawaii, the more people hear it a certain way, they'll be more conscious of it and, and then, oh, that's the way you're supposed to pronounce it. But yeah, it's hard to do it unless when you, when you, when you know better, you can do better. Yeah. This last word will be familiar to anyone who has ever sung mele or Hawaiian music or anyone who has ever danced hula. Kekoa cautions against the over usage of kauna, which in Hawaiian refers to a double or hidden meaning of words. Yeah, and, and I know you brought up kauna earlier, and that that's another word that I that I hear a lot, you know, most people had I um 
you know, especially for melee, we do have certain um, things that that have kauna, certain melee and words that have these veiled meanings. And then we also have words that that have it's it's just on the surface within the song. So it's 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 really important for us to understand too that for for songs. So I'm going to throw out kauna because I think that's an important thing to talk about today too. That everything isn't kauna when when there's a deeper meaning. That sometimes we may just ask, "Hey, What is the main thought of this? Um, that there is no hidden meaning there. That we're just trying to understand what the overall meaning is of something. I'll never forget this story that was shared with me by um Kumulari Kimura too about about a certain mele. A quick production note. After our phone call, I ended up visiting Kani Aina and listening to over 12 episodes of Kaleo. These digital recordings of the Hawaiian radio show are truly invaluable. If you get a chance, do check it out. I'll also make sure to put in a link to Kaleo as well as any other resources that were mentioned in this podcast. That was um, written by Auntie Alice Namakelua. And I think it was talking about uh, um, for for. Kauna, and I'm trying to remember whether or not this, I think it was a bee. I think it was about a, a nalomeli, a, a bumblebee. And it was just talking about, you know, how the, the bumblebee goes from flower to flower. And people started reading into this particular mele as if there was this kauna. I don't know. They, they, they kind of read into it that maybe there's this kauna of, you know, someone jumping in between lovers or, you know, jumping from flower to flower. But you know, when, when she explained the mele, it was about a, a bumblebee, that there really was no kauna to it. So we really have to um, be careful about about thinking that there's always kauna to something. Um, and sometimes it may be just, you know, Malani, or it'd be just you know, just very nohi, um, very simple, and it, and it's right there. But it's important, and especially for mele, that we don't read too much into it if we don't really know what it's about. And then if we do have the opportunity to to learn from the composer, to know what the mele is about from the composer and the thinking that went behind it, without being too niele, too too inquisitive, because nobody wants that. Yeah, and you might just have the door slammed on you if you if you if you're too nearly in that way there are two concepts that were alluded to earlier that I want to make clear because I believe these concepts will truly help you become successful in speaking Olalo Hawaii. The first one being, everything must be taken into context. There's a quote from Kale Ha'aheo that really sticks out in my mind. Hawaiian is not just another code for English, but a way of expressing Hawaiian ideas and values and a Hawaiian view of the way the world is organized and works. So don't forget, these are just meaningless words they have a history and offer a completely different perspective. The second concept was alluded to earlier when Keiko was talking about the different dialects that can be found in the Hawaiian Islands. Another quote from Kalehaaheo, something to remember when you try to speak Hawaiian to native speakers. Being different is not the same as being wrong. Don't be discouraged if your kupuna speaks differently than you do. And here's the emphasis, don't tell her she's wrong. When it comes to cultural knowledge that is typically passed down from generation to generation. We have to remember to respect our kupuna and to understand that the Hawaiian language that is being taught in schools today and used on different tools like Duolingo is the modern standardized version of Olalo Hawaii.
that language actually connects connects you to your kupuna, your elders, to the land, um, your traditions, your behaviors, and then also how your language continues to evolve. And that's that's a that's a very interesting topic too. I mean, how um, these new words are created so that your language reflects how you live today, um, and to not be afraid of that, but to embrace it because we are living in a very different time from our um, kupuna, from our ancestors. Something that Kekoa emphasized about understanding and speaking. Olelo Hawaii is that it's not just about understanding vocabulary, the syntax, and the grammar. More importantly, the language must be reflected in one's life. It helps me to be outside and, and to to see these things that surround me in order to to have that stronger connection with with my natural surroundings. And I gotta tell you, I mean, as far as academics, sometimes <laughs> academics doesn't encourage us to be outside too much. So I appreciated that aspect of learning chants and learning chants for dances too, because when I am outside, it um, it helps me to to really pay attention to what's around me more so than just looking at it as, as you know words words on a page or or simply um, Hawaiian words that have you know meaning. But yeah, I think that aspect of awareness and when we talk about these um, buzzwords today, as far as you know sustainability and um, you know for the land, caring for the ocean, how you truly become a kamaaina. And this, this is a word I, I love to bring up because growing up, we always used to hear Kamaina and we thought that was associated with getting a discount, yeah? Someplace. <laughs> that we thought that, but more and more when I think about this word Kamaina too, to be a child of the land, how do I truly become a child of the land and become familiar? Because it also means to become familiar with something. How do you become so familiar? And that's one thing that whenever I listen to um, native speakers on um, Kani Aina, that website, Kani Aina, which, which houses um, the recorded tapes, the audio tapes of Kaleo Hawaii, the um, Hawaiian language radio program that was recorded by um, Larry Kimura in the 70s, that you, when you listen to Mauna Leo, um, native speakers, kupuna elders talk about where they're from and who they are. It's just amazing the amount of detail they can go into, you know, what the name of the the rock is, what the name of the stream, the mountain, the um, the type of plants that grew in that area, how they would catch their fish, um, those methods, how they would prepare their fish, how the rain falls, how the wind blows in that particular area. I long to have that type of um, familiarity with with places and the place that I live and the place where I where I come from so that I can I know what they're what they're talking about that when I do reference these these chants and songs that it isn't something that's very um, disconnected or abstract to me that it's that it's something I know I know how that feels on my skin I know what that smells like I know what that looks like um, how I'm able to understand that today Today, 2021. Kekoa takes his own words to heart. He has been able to integrate Olalo Hawaii in his work, in his family, and even in his hobbies. Routines, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot in general, routines and habits and things that are important to us. How do we continue to do these things on a regular basis so they're just an, a natural part of our lives? And for whatever whatever thing that may be for that person, but... Um, for myself, that that spiritual aspect of um, of connecting um, the chants 
to to my surroundings and my spirit and my um my being that that's been something that i've appreciated being home and just you know stepping outside into the yard and and chanting um oh but that particular mele, that particular mele, I, I, I've been, that's part of that one I was talking about that's for um, Kaui Keauli, but that particular part of the birthing of the islands and, and there are the various stages of how, how a plant um, grows and buds and, and comes forth. I, I, I find so much more meaning to that when I'm outside in my yard and I'm <laughs> chanting to my, to my um, kalo or, you know, the plants around that area that I go, okay, you know, I, th I think this makes more sense to me. And, and it, um, how do I make this a part of my life and, and my understanding? I know this episode has been jam-packed with information and it may take a while to digest what you've just heard. There is one huge takeaway I want to bestow to all of you listening. Olalohava'i is a language worth preserving and saving. And if you want to know how you can help, well, I'll let Keikoa tell you. I, I, I want to encourage everyone to, <laughs> I'm gonna throw this, to learn Hawaiian. And, and this comes from my love, my love for Hawaii and um, you know whatever level that may be at, because not everyone is looking to become proficient in the Hawaiian language. But how, especially if you if you have an aloha for Hawaii, how that will will change your perspective and the way you look at Hawaii and how how you will play a part in keeping Hawaii Hawaiian and how we care for our resources, how we care for our people, how we care for the land, all of these things, you know, the language can help us with that and, and the practices and the traditions and the behaviors that go along with that. Yeah, learn Hawaiian, learn Hawaiian at whatever level you choose, but that'll help us take care of Hawaii. Congratulations, you've done it. You've made it to the end of the second episode. In this episode, we discuss how the knowledge gap between the generations has impacted the Hawaiian language, how Olelo Hawaii relates to hula, and then we went on to learn some tips about learning and speaking Hawaiian, as well as unpacking some common words and phrases. And finally, we finished it off with a beautiful chant from Keikoa. Mahalo for listening and joining me on this journey. Although the only voices you've heard so far are those of my guests and my own, I couldn't have done any of this without the support and kokua of my family and friends. And to those folks, if you're listening to this, from the bottom of my heart, aloha. I also wanted to say mahalo to all my kumu and kupuna who have been my foundation and have taught me so much. This and every episode is dedicated to all of you. 
I also want to send out a special thanks to my sister and dad who not only composed but also performed the music you heard in this podcast. Mahalo Nui Loa to Aaron McCarthy who wrote and performed the introduction music and transition music and also to Eric Kakihara who composed and performed the outro music you're listening to right now. You've been listening to State of Aloha. Make sure to join us next week for a new episode. My name is Andrea and until we meet again, ahoy ho.